back to the Depressed Salesman Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Massey, the Depressed Salesman. We're going to pick up this week where we left off with Warren Smith from Smith Legal Search. He's got a, a really intelligent, thoughtful way of looking at the connection between our sales results and our mental health and well-being. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, please check it out. He had a really uh, cool discussion around the cadence of the sale and some real good tips on how you can pick up on things that you might be missing in terms of uh, a sale going right or wrong for you over a period of time. And it was a cool uh, discussion about the difference between being a master craftsperson, you know, a salesperson is is an artist uh, and when you reach the the pinnacle uh, of the industry that you're selling in it, it's essentially like becoming a craft person and the difference with managers or leaders uh, entrepreneurs business owners what they're really looking to do is build an empire because they want to be able to pass on their craft to others to help their business grow further Again, check it out. It was a really, really interesting way to, to look at uh, some key components of selling and entrepreneurship. And I think you'll find more interesting today uh, with Warren. So let's dive right back into it and uh, pick up where we left off last week. The, the work is 25 steps. It's, it's 40 steps. Whatever the number is, it is a tangible process yep. that had like so much of sales is this, this feeling, this feel that you're talking about. You can recognize it going sideways with experience yeah. or, or the opportunity that, that sits there. Um, but it's that lack of being able to transcribe that process and provide it to the guys that are coming up for you, the the new hires that, that you're bringing along and speed them up because it is rare that you can miss, you can miss a couple of steps in each deal. I agree with that, but it's not, it, it's not 20%. Like yeah. we're doing the same things over and over again. And to your point of work is, is, doing a task that others won't is why yeah. someone will pay you. Yeah. It becomes more interesting to think about what is it that's unique about one individual versus the next in the exact yeah. same role yeah. um, to allow them to lean into that component of themselves and experience that, you know, I call it their strengths or their, their unique talent that they bring to the world if we can spend more of our time experiencing those things that give us our individual power, because yeah. at the end of the day, we need these people, we need ourselves to do it again and again and again. I challenge that you can't continue to do it when you're focused in things that weaken you rather than strengthen you. I think that's the definition of burnout. You know, so how, how do we identify the uniqueness of one individual salesperson or recruiter versus another and fit it into this systemized process that everybody understands? Yeah. 
There are, for sure, I think there are programs out there that can help you fine tune, I would call general skills in sales, for sure. I, you know, I'm, I think that I'm always, like one of the questions I'm always asking in interview is like, what have you done in the last year to improve your skills, right? Like I'm looking at how much are you investing in yourself to get better at your craft? Honestly, it doesn't matter what your craft is, but that, you know, goes to coachability, goes to, you know, pride in craft, trying to get better, you know, and I think that that, uh, you know, again, it's why the sort of the pillars in my mind are, are you independently motivated, which will tell me if you are spending time on your own craft, that gives me some evidence of independently motivated. And are you coachable, you know, in the sense that do you believe that there are other people out there that can help you do what you do better faster, right? So uh, to me, from there, you're always going to have to layer on top of specifics to your industry, whatever your sales cycle might be. Like I'm in a business where for my craft specifically, um, my sales cycle could be two years, could be three years, um, you know, from start of discussion to close of deal. Uh, for my recruiters, it's probably more like, you know, three months, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, a little bit, um, you know, more predictable and, and you're dealing with people a little bit earlier in their career. So the variables are maybe not quite as intense or quite as wide, um, you know, and for you know, if you're if you're buying things that are, you know, much more predictable or much more fungible, your buying cycle might be a week, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so each cycle carries with it a, you know, a different degree of investment, different degree of understanding, and it's understanding where you are in that and what do you need to under, you know, understand to give yourself the motivation to do it. And that's, I think, to your point on mental health, right? Is that you know, if those sales cycles are long and the stakes are high, to me, it's the difference between playing one $2, you know, poker versus a hundred, $200 poker, right? Like if, if you're paying hands that have huge swings, you better be comfortable with those swings. You know, I've, I've watched literally a million dollars go sideways on a sale sales deal. Um, you know, and in a blink of an eye, two years can go up in smoke. Um, and conversely, I've closed deals where, you know, uh, the payout is seven figures as well, right? And so you you either can be comfortable with those kind of swings or you can't. And if you can't, then it's not the right job for you, right? Um, you know. And, you know, I would challenge that uh, no matter how systemized your process of selling is, no matter how deeply you <laughs> comprehend what actually creates the sale in your business model, there's still so much of sales that it's very difficult to relate the daily inputs to the actual sale happening. You yeah. know, like speak, speaking to, to uh, losing a two-year sale in the blink of an eye or, or getting one quicker, um, I, I don't know that either of those processes happen. Like you don't win if you don't do all of the thousand things that you put into the one that you lost. It's yeah, yeah. somehow no, tangible, sure. like, but. You, look, like I, I think you, your baseball analogy is very apt. And, and the way I look at it is everything you're doing in sales is to give yourself the best possible chance to make the deal happen, right? And you know, it's the, it's the, I, I like poker. So poker is the analogy I often go to, which is you have to do everything right to put yourself in a position to win on, you know, the river, right? Mm -hmm. In, in Texas Hold'em to use the analogy, right? So there are things you're looking for, you know, when you're betting in the blind, there's things you're looking for on the flop, on the turn, 
And if you're doing everything right at each step of those things, you can still get sewered. Something can still happen in the last hand and somebody might have, you know, sort of got the nuts and you, they, they played it incorrectly, but just the way it worked out, they happen to be sitting on the best hand, you know, on the river, unbeknownst to them kind of thing, right? Yeah. But I also know that if we play that hand out a hundred times, and the way that I play it means that 80% of the time I'm going to win and 20% of the time I'm going to lose. I'm always going to play the way that's going to let me win more than I'm going to lose. I know that sometimes you're going to lose. That's in it. That's that's part of what makes sales exciting, right? Like yeah. part of what I love about the role and part of what I love about the craft is that there isn't a degree of unpredictability to it, right? Like that like and and I, I know that there I was I was I was listening to a podcast I was reading a book on this that part of what makes life exciting and part of what people really enjoy is things where there is a degree of unpredictability in outcome right like if you knew for certainty that you know when you went to the casino you were going to win exactly 58% of the time it didn't matter what you did or you were going to win 38% of the time and you knew exactly when those wins and losses were going to occur be no fun yeah. right um, yeah. and, and that's part of what, to me, makes sales such an engaging craft is that you can always get a little bit better at it, right? You can always learn new things. And you know what? If two years from now, I'm 3% better at, at my job, I might not be able to empirically tell you that. But if I've done enough iterations and I can look back and say, here's kind of, you know, the track record, and I'm now closing an extra 5% you know, of the hundred deals that we run in the year, as I said at the very top of the conversation, I don't think that's luck over a long enough period of time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that that's what I enjoy. Like, I, and look, you're either gonna be geeky about this stuff or you're not. And that's kind of the, like who sticks it out in the business and who doesn't, right? Like if you love that stuff and your idea of fun is actually reading up and, and listening to Daniel Pink on like his thoughts on sales and what works for him. And, you know, that's that's engaging to you. And you find uh, Chris Voss and his strategy on negotiating and how that, you know, sort of can play into your style and what can you take from it? What can you add to it? Like there's so many things out there that you can do to sort of refine and hone your craft. It, it's like anything in life, like whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a salesperson, best people all look the same. They love what they do. They're invested in it. And I think that helps you get over a lot of the other pieces. Like if you find that engaging, I think that will help you overcome any of the, you know, the loneliness parts of it, the mental health parts of it, the frustrating parts of it, the highs, the lows, because you're in that, you know, that infinite loop of I'm always trying to get better because I'm in competition with myself ultimately. Like how much better can I get at it? Right? Like, well, I, I think that, uh, the most successful of us in, in any walk of life lean into the uniqueness. Like yeah. it, it is so interesting to see how success always looks unique and average always looks the same. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's that ability of the greatest of us to figure out like that there's all of these components of, of selling or of being a, an athlete or a poker player that are required for success. The reasons that you hire the people that you do, you need experience, work ethic, skill set. All of these components are required. That's not where the excellence comes from. It, it's yeah. that uniqueness of the individual 
um, and how they're able to maneuver around the things that they're not as great at and focus as much time and energy in the areas where their greatness shines through. That's why they always look so different compared to the rest of us. It comes down to the science of how our brains function and perform. Uh, you know, when we're stressed, we can't learn, we can't grow. You know, it's all about the optimistic. It's all about the positive side of our brain, of that state, where how much time we spend living in that state versus the others, where all of our growth and, and excellence comes from. What's challenging about the role for you? You know, it seems that you don't have, uh, you know, you don't deal with anxiety or depression or another mental health disorder. What What is the hardest part of the job or the experience of running your business? I think for me now, and you've been along for the conversation over the last few years, the the inflection point that I'm now working through is we are going from being a very capable, what I'll call regional player, to really now trying to scale to become a, a national, you know, entity. And and what that means is that um, I like to think I've got a, a very high work ethic that, you know, I've been one of these people that and maybe that's a bit of the benefit of coming out of the profession of law. You know, working an 80 hour work week, working a 90 hour work week is in the range of things I know I'm able to do. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy it, but I know that I've got the constitution and I've got that internal drive to make that kind of things happen with frequency. Wow. Absolutely. Um, and and it's like, it, it is a, I have, um, frankly, a, this is kind of, you and I've talked a little bit about this. I've got pretty high ADHD, um, you know, but I, I, I view that as a superpower. So I guess that my view of the world is, is that, I know some people will see those kind of diagnoses and, and see the, the the challenges it presents and no, make no question, it does present challenges. But I've also recognized that it affords me some incredible, you know, benefits. So I've got some incredible strengths on, I can laser focus on things in a way very few people can. Um, and I can be, um, you know, sometimes for better, um, no concept of the passage of time. Like I, I have had days quite literally where I will be in my office in Toronto, especially when, you know, I'm in Toronto and the family's in Vancouver and I'll look up and it's one in the morning. I have no idea where seven hours went. Like I, I thought I was going to go back to the office for a couple hours after meeting a client and I look up and, you know, I was just down a rabbit hole on a question trying to figure something out in the business and, you know, blocks of time just disappear. And, and it doesn't bother me in, in the least, right? Like I have to, you know, maybe my wife might have a different opinion on some of those issues, but you know, at least in terms of my capacity to work and my love of the business, you know, I think I'm I'm probably not the greatest employee, frankly. I think that's one of the things I learned early on in life is that I am somebody that really does work best, you know, if I'm the person holding the standard or holding the, you know, the accountability stick. Um, mm. And probably have a bit of an oppositional personality in that sense. I'm not maybe the most agreeable person if it's not me calling the shots. I've got a little bit of self-awareness on that. But I think that, you know, for me, the things that for some people are definitely challenges, and, and there's definitely elements of my life where having this personality archetype is challenging. Um, I have, to your earlier point, I think found a lane where the things that, you know, often in life, your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses. I've been able to deploy in a way that it really plays to the strength and less to the weakness. So mm -hmm. for me, that's been effective. Um, and I think for me, that's allowed me to do things that, you know, I'm not sure I would have been able to do in any other configuration. Um, 
I think that the challenge that the last couple of years in particular has really presented for me is that I have found the break point where I simply can't work harder. Like I cannot work more to create more in the business. That the only way that we are going to expand from being a strong regional player with a great team um, into being a proper national competitor and you know sort of an apex predator on the national scale is I have to learn how to empower the people around me to carry the ball themselves, how to run their own businesses, how to run their own desks. And so it's been interesting to see that I actually can't do more from where I am now, that the only way that we're going to sort of hit that next plateau is I have to spend a lot more of my time thinking about what do my people need? What do I need to coach them? How do I help them get better? How do I get them to find that same happy place in their desk where they're excited the same way I am to build something that they can call themselves? Because if I can't do that, then back to the very start of this conversation, ultimately what I have, I've created is a very large, but ultimately master craftsman build uh, of an organization and not a proper empire you know, that I wanna build. And for me, that's the journey of the next five years, let's call it, right? And like, to me, that's the fun. Like, that's what I get excited about. And honestly, I might fail. Like, I might, I might, I might, I might not be able to do it. I don't know. But, you know, from my perspective, that's kind of what makes the next few years exciting is I'm going to try. And I, I'm, I'm deeply invested in my people. I love them. I think they're all very good at what they do. They're young. They're ambitious. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I can give them, you know, a, a bit of some tools to help them figure this out for themselves. And if, and if we can build it, um, my view is, is that I'm a very much a glass half full kind of guy. And I think there's tons of territory for us to carry. And I think the way we do it again, I'm biased is, is very effective and, and we win a lot, uh, you know, in terms of the, the campaigns we go after. I think a lot about how we as a business compete and win and everything I can do to help them, you know, compete and win better. That's, that's where I have to spend my time, but I, I, I am no longer able to say, well, the way I'm going to solve this problem is just to work harder. I've hit the wall on like there are literally only so many hours in the day and you do run out of time. So yeah. that's for me, the big challenge of the last couple of years. And, you know, in two years from now, we can, we can circle back and say, well, how did it go? And I'll be able to better answer whether or not I was able to figure that question out. Right. And if I have, you will know because we will be the dominant force in the market and, you know, we will have offices in every major center and, you know, we'll have, you know, we'll be the, the new sheriff in town. Is it stressful? Hugely. Um, but I, I, I think that I view it as good stress as opposed to bad stress. Maybe that's just, you know, some mental gymnastics I'm playing in my head. Um, you know, I, I view when I say good stress, I mean stress over which I have agency, if that makes sense. Like, I think the greatest stresses in life occur when things are happening over which you feel you don't have control, right? That, and, and maybe that's the mental gymnastics in my head. And this is like one of the great benefits of willing to chart out on my own and start my own shop is that while it was deeply stressful and a very hard choice to come to, to say, okay, I think I'm gonna go and do something on my own. And you and I spoke at length about this, you know, when when I was making the decision around, do I stay? Do I go? What does that look like? The biggest payoff of making that huge first step, you know, the jumping out of the plane and have I got a parachute or a backpack on? Let's find out. 
the the payoff of having made that leap and discovering it was in fact a parachute is now I've got some freedom to be able to make some choices around which stresses I want to take on. So to me, maybe I'm delusional. The stresses I have today are good stresses in the sense that they're stresses I've chosen, right? I could have very easily, you know, two years ago said, you know what? I've got my team in Vancouver. We've got a good thing going. We're set up. I don't need to do anything more than this. And I'll just like ride this pony into the sunset and what a what a great career that was and you know I got my little corner of the world and away we go but you know me well enough to know I've got a bolt loose in my head that says I don't know let's see what we can do right um and uh, think, who knows uh, I think I think you're way too big to ride a pony yeah <laughs> I think that uh you know health as a general term and the fact that we continue to separate mental from health, you yeah. know, like there, there's no conversation around the benefit of focusing on one's physical health, you know, but to, to listen to you talk about how you deal with the, the challenge of stress or, uh, and to call it mental gymnastics, uh, it, it's an apt term because I don't know that, that isn't what mental health is for each individual. Like it, it's a lot of choice of perspective. You know, it's a, it's a lot of, sure, you need the intelligence and the ability to recognize choices that you have available to you in terms of what's traveling through your mind, where your focus is, whether that's negative or positive, uh, whether you have an optimistic perspective of the world that, that you're living in. But I think it is a choice. You know, it's it's a choice to uh, increase one's optimism levels. You know, there's there's a number of things that we can focus upon that will move us away from the, the negative stressful moment that we're having and just kind of tricking our brain with mental gymnastics to get more into the positive and making the phone call or, or walking into the difficult meeting, you know, the, the procrastination around doing that as a salesperson and the, the outs that salespeople give themselves to not take the step that needs to be taken because of the fear that's involved with the negative result can be shifted just ever so subtly with an increase in one's optimism levels. Yeah. It's the way we look at it. It's no different than what you're talking about doing the work and, and having to make the calls. That subtle shift that one has with cold call suck, I hate doing it, and getting to the point of, of just the change in perspective that the 19 knows I'm right up against the yes that's coming. You know, it, the understanding of the math and the science behind selling allows for the artistic nature of the salesperson to shine through and, and reach the level of success that they're capable of. You know, without all of it, you, you can't achieve uh, the greatness that you should. If you ever wondered how come you lost an opportunity or got an opportunity, Here's Warren Smith with another great uh, take on what he's looking for as an entrepreneur hiring a salesperson. You know, the, the requirement for coachability. 
are you able to learn and grow and improve from the experience and the systems and just all the information that your leader can provide to you along the way and realize that that's something that is being looked for uh, while you're in an interviewing or a hiring process or in a promotion process. Are you able to take the steps that so many people in the world are too uncomfortable to take themselves? You know, that's what salespeople do. They create opportunities out of nothing. That's the artistic side of selling, is this ability to walk into a room, into a cold call, into a lukewarm environment, uh, even into an existing client, and to create an opportunity that didn't exist before you showed up. You know, it's a critical component of doing that, leaning into the uncomfortable part of the role. Uh, that is where so much of the success comes from. So again, just some great takes from Warren in terms of that aspect of it. Um, and then the connection with your, your mental health and well-being and the understanding that the rejection that you will experience, that you do experience in sales, you know, as we discussed, it's, it's a high percentage of failure in terms of the role. But it's not personal. The rejection is towards a product. It's towards a service. It's towards your company. It relates to an existing relationship with your competitor that you haven't been able to overcome yet. It is not personally related to you and to the efforts that you put in. For me personally, you know, years ago, not so much now, but it just became so hard. You know, when, when you say no to me and you give the business to my competitor, you know, I'm not, I'm not buying my kids new shoes. I'm not taking my family on that next great vacation. Uh, so it's hard to disconnect the feeling of the rejection being personal towards me because the results are directly related to how I get paid or not. But once you can get past that, once you can overcome that and change your perspective around the rejection. And for, for myself, a big learning was the math behind it. Understanding that it's more about how many quality at bats I can create for myself than it is about how many times I win a job, an order, a PO. Uh, because the more opportunities that I give, that the more that I fill my pipeline with potential, even if I'm just mediocre at the job, my sales will increase. You know, I always looked at it. If I want to grow my, my business by a million dollars, go and find $10 million of potential business. And if you're just okay at the job, you'll get 10% of what you generate in terms of a, a realistic opportunity. You know, so it's really that prospecting component of the job and the, the staying at it that will create the sustainable results over time. 
But finally, I thought it was a critical point with Warren. You know, you were discussing the doing the work component. Like it, it's such a critical part of success in any aspect of life. The results directly relate to the inputs and the inputs are the work. And if you don't do the work, if you can't measure the work, if you don't know which work directly relates to the results, you'll always be challenged to grow your business. It is understanding with pure clarity. If I do this, I sell the product. If I do this, I grow the business. Now the focus becomes on the input, on the this that you can do. Rather than focusing on the sales numbers, the, the budget compared to last year, the budget compared to last month, the sales numbers compared to the first quarter, uh, are you hitting your targets? Because there's a hundred different factors that are out of your control that directly relate to your ability to get the sale or not get the sale. And that's a reality in every single industry in the world. The mental health component of creating a stability that allows you to succeed for me is focusing on what you can control. If you focus on how you use your time, if you focus on the inputs that drive the business forward and you measure that and you allow yourself to win in that side of your job. So the measurement is how many times do I do X because X directly relates to the sale taking place. If I can do more of X in a year or if I can improve my performance of X while I'm doing it, those are things that I can measure. And rather than measuring and focusing on the sales numbers, I can focus on the process because I can control the process much more than I can control the results. And the reality is the results are controlled by the process. So you give yourself more control by letting go of the need to focus on the results. So again, just really appreciate your time, Warren. Uh, we're gonna pick it up again next week with Warren. He's got some more uh, insights for us in terms of entrepreneurship, growing your business uh, as a sales professional, as a manager, as an owner. And uh, I look forward to catching up with all of you guys next week on the next episode of the Depressed Salesman Podcast.